Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of The Growth Project. If you haven't already, please make sure to check out my previous three episodes because I'm sure, like me, we all have a lot of spare time given the global state of affairs, but more importantly, they might give you something to think about while you're stuck at home with not much to do. But anyways, I'm sure everyone listening will have at some point retweeted something on Twitter or shared something to an Instagram story that was to do with a charitable cause such as the hashtag Black Lives Matter movement or the Sudanese uprisings uh, last year or even more recently the Australian bushfires at the start of 2020. But what I want you to think about in this podcast is did did your actions on social media make a difference? That's why this week's episode will be looking at slacktivism. We'll obviously begin by defining it, looking at some common examples, but then proceed to trying to break down the extent to which it actually makes a difference in the grand scheme of things. So what's slacktivism? As you might have noticed, this term is a contraction between the words slacking and activism. And I think that gives us an insight in how to in how this is generally quite a negative term. Um, a formal definition offered by the United Nations is that slacktivism is when people support a cause by performing simple measures that are not necessarily engaged or devoted to making a change. And there are other terms other than slacktivism that express the same thing, such as clicktivism and also armchair activism, which, um, as we'll come to see, I think is a bit harsh, but more informally, slacktivism is seen by many as taking to social media to support a particular cause. Currently, Twitter and Facebook are ranked third and fourth, while Instagram is 12th in terms of the most visited sites in 2020. YouTube is ranked number one, but the extent to which this may be regarded as social media is more questionable. But I do think it's worth noting that there are many similar features, such as being able to follow an individual by subscribing, as well as being able to like and share a video um, that might make YouTube seem like another social media platform, and therefore it seems possible that slacktivism might occur through YouTube. Nonetheless, without getting too off topic, I think the broader point that I'm trying to make is that an extremely large part of being online in this day and age is the use of social media. These sites make it very easy for us to like, share or tweet something. And the subsequent effect of this is that people are able to express concern or show support to a social or political issue with nothing more than the click of a button or a touch on the screen. So let's take an example. Let's take an example of a social or political issue that led to acts of, of, of slacktivism. And we'll go to, I think, around mid-2019 it was, Sudan was in the, mid, in the midst of a political crisis as their long-serving ruler had been overthrown and therefore the military and pro-democracy protesters had been in sort of what can be described as a tussle to fill that political vacuum. And the effects of this were that there were thousands of people were dying in the streets because the military had sort of taken control on a temporary basis. And a lot of Sudanese people were going to the streets to try to protest to um, try to to protest to put in place a, a, a democratic political system. And what happened was that peaceful protesters who were merely chanting slogans and waving flags, etc., were being killed. So as we can see, this was a situation in which a country is going through political turmoil 
And as a result, not only human rights were being breached, but more importantly, lives were being lost. And through social media, this, um, these people gained a lot of support. And particularly through Instagram and Twitter, people expressed their solidarity in many, many ways. Um, a few of, of the most common examples was by using the blue for Sudan hashtag. And another even more popular example was by changing your display picture to a light blue color. And I'm not sure if many people know why why it was a light blue color, because if you look at the Sudanese flag, it doesn't have light blue in it. Um, the reason was because a 26 year old man had sadly been fatally shot by a paramilitary group while trying to protect two women. And once he was murdered, his close family and friends decided to change their social media profile pictures to match his favorite color. And as this sad story gained more coverage, people around the world decided to do the same. And so we see this was a fairly recent incident. It was only last year. And it's a prime example of slacktivism at play because people used social media to show their support for Sudanese protesters. And this case study, but also the broader term of slacktivism raises interesting questions about what it's actually what is actually accomplished by these by these likes and these reshares and tweets and stuff, but also the extent to which people have actually put an effort and thought to doing these things in the first place. And these are questions that we're going to try to address in this episode. So I think a good place to start is by assessing the reason why slacktivism, well, the term slacktivism was created and so the reason why it's seen as a negative thing in the first place. And I think one one big reason is because many people believe that these sorts of lazy acts of activism are not actually effective in helping the social or political cause with which they are associated. So on, there are inevitably various people and groups that heavily doubt the value and effectiveness of slacktivism because the act of using social media to express support seems to have an underlying assumption with that assumption being that all of our problems can be solved using social media. But I think the reality is very different, admittedly, um, and, in, and in order to achieve some of the th- some things in life, particularly those things that are typically the subject of such social media campaigns, we need to actually get off our sofas, get out of our houses and actually act. This is why some people might think that the various forms of slacktiv- slacktivism oversimplify global change. In the same way that it's very easy to like a post or sign an online petition, it's very easy to disengage with that topic just 10 or 5 minutes after doing so. And so more often than not, these public acts of charity go without causing any substantial change. So let's let's put this argument into practice. If someone shares something to social media, likes a picture or signs an online petition for example, to what extent is that actually helping the particular cause? Now, obviously, there is no clear-cut answer to this question because it depends on a multitude of factors, including the platform that those individuals have and what people that see the post actually go on to do. But we can speak from a general point of view, and it seems that people that engage in these acts of slacktism are not more likely to go on to do anything more serious, like donating money or volunteering, for example. And this is actually backed by a study from the University of British Columbia, which which shows that when people gave public support, so for m- most likely through social media, they, they weren't more likely than any other individual to go on to provide more meaningful support. Um, and so a counter argument to that study might be that 
It's not about the individual who makes the post, but rather the people that see it. But unfortunately, a study by Michigan State University answers this and it shows that if someone posts on social media about a particular cause, they are most likely to reach out to other low-cost, low-risk solutions that other people are going to do. So, for instance, if I post something to, to social media, or f let's let's be more specific, if I change my display picture to a, a light blue colour in support of Sudanese protesters, what's going to happen, well, well, what's most likely to happen is that other people will do the same, rather than going on to donate money or actually volunteering. And so what you have is just me doing it, and then other people doing it, and them causing other people to change their display pictures, and it's just sort of a, a chain reaction. But that chain reaction doesn't actually have a substantial impact, because no one no one changes their approach. So the end result is that those people that do engage in slacktivism end up contributing nothing to the wider cause. Um, that's just one reason why um, some people have given these public acts of charity and ne some, some negative attention. But another reason is because some people go even further and they say that not only does slacktivism not contribute anything to the cause, they say that it has a negative effect on the cause because People think that the act of liking something or changing their display picture is good enough. And because it's good enough, they don't engage with the cause any further than this. They don't think that, oh, I should um, maybe share this to my Instagram story, but I should also donate some money. They'll just simply do the easy, um, low risk, low effort, low cost act. And they won't go on to do anything that's more substantial. And I think a very linked point is the fact that slacktivism is so easy means that people might often engage in, in a cause online and once they realise that their engagement ha actually had no effect, they lose hope in all other forms of activism, activism, even those that might actually be helpful. So for instance, if I change my display picture and then I realise maybe two, three weeks later that, well, I don't think that actually had an, in an impact, I might give up altogether and think, well, it seems that I, don't, I can't really do anything myself. Um, and, a, and an example of this is in 2014, where there was a viral movement using the hashtag bring, our girl, bring Back Our Girls and it involved saying, saving 200 Nigerian girls who had been kidnapped by Boko Haram. And the effect was that millions of people, including celebrities with very large platforms, shared um, their posts using the hashtag and so obviously it went viral. And on the face of it, we'd look at it and think, wow, th like this will lead to a massive change. But what most people don't know is that one year after the incident actually occurred, the girls were still missing and the use of the hashtag decreased. So this shows how even though millions of people were willing to participate in the campaign online, very little effort was taken outside of the digital world and therefore the difference caused by the slacktivism was nothing. And I think that's an important point because we often take it for granted when we see things going viral on social media that a, a, a change is happening. And even though we know that we're not causing a change ourselves, and it's probably like it's when you just you see the viral movement and you think oh someone else is probably acting and someone else is doing this but the reality is that more often than not if you're not acting then it means that loads of other people like you aren't acting and it ends up having no effect i mean the whole platform is not being used for anything and, and one final reason that slacktivism might have gained um this sort of this sort of derogatory term is because at the end of the day look we can't fault someone for not producing a material contribution to a charitable cause when their intention was to do so. So, for example, if someone um, shared something to their story with the intention of helping that charitable cause 
and it didn't end up ha helping that charitable cause, we wouldn't really look down on them. I mean, it wouldn't have an effect, but at the same time, we wouldn't look down on them or condemn their actions. However, this brings me to another point, which is that there are definitely people who might engage with these online causes or public acts of charity to boost their own reputation or simply to gain that feel good, like that feel good factor. And I know, of course, I know that some people might say that at the end of the day, if it has a positive effect, then it doesn't matter what the intention of the person is. But I don't, I don't, I personally don't really agree with that because first of all, we can't assume that a form of slacktivism will have a positive, positive effect. I've, I've shown um, at least one example of how slacktivism sometimes has no effect at all. But more importantly, I would say that it's important that people's hearts are in the right places when they engage in these charitable causes. Um, at the end of the day, these days, it's very difficult to distinguish between a celebrity who's truly passionate about charity and one who's partaking in charity just because they know that it will lead to them being viewed in a more positive light. And the effect of this is that slacktivism becomes a way of gaining popularity as opposed to actually contributing to a cause, which I personally believe is problematic, especially when the livelihood and well-being of other human beings are at stake. So I've gone through the various criticisms of slacktivism namely that they are generally considered lazy acts of charity that might that might give people a feel-good factor even though they are unlikely to produce any impact on the cause but i do also feel it's important to highlight the positive impact that slacktivism may have because at the end of the day lazy engagement with a cause is still a form of engagement that is likely to have some good effects um and in this podcast, in this episode, I've taken for granted that slacktivism does not lead to a positive contribution. But is this true? Not entirely. There's always a chance that people constantly sharing and liking things that are linked to a particular charitable cause will lead to the creation of a viral movement. Now, it's important to understand that having something become viral is not the end goal, but rather a means to the end. For instance, the protesters that had been suffering in Sudan in the pursuit of democracy would not have been desperate for their struggles to become a viral movement. I mean, I, that's definitely not the answer. But rather, they would have been in need of basic necessities and would have sought political intervention with, with the actions of military rulers at the time. And these kind of things that they were seeking can only be achieved with awareness. People need to be aware of an issue to solve it. And to that end, the promotion and support of such causes on social media, while not particularly burdensome, helps achieve the kind of understanding that we need to have to make a change. This means that slacktivism can be seen as the first step. And I think this is exacerbated by the case study of Sudan uprisings because at the time, military rulers had nearly completely shut down their internet access. And this meant that pro-democracy protesters almost had no contact with the outside world. So in many respects, people from all over the world, whether it was just the average social media user or a citizen journalist, sharing these stories of Sudanese pro protesters was the only way in which the message could be spread. So that's just one example of how slacktivism can actually have a meaningful impact, even if the difference is being made by people who don't necessarily have to put in much effort into liking or posting something on Instagram or Twitter. Perhaps an even better example of how slacktivism can go on to create a viral movement that is ultimately positive for the particular cause is the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge a few years ago in the, in the I think it was the summer of 2014. The purpose was to increase awareness of motor neuron disease which is characterized by muscles decreasing in size, which often leads to difficulty speaking, swallowing, and eventually an ability to walk, use limbs, or even breathe. So we can see that it's a quite a serious disease. And so the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge involved people, including eventually a lot of celebrities, 
dumping a bucket of ice cold water over their head or getting someone else to do it and then nominating others to do that to do the same and the effect of that was that many people doing the challenge um was that it was quite a funny video because having a bucket of cold water tipped over your head would trigger a funny reaction that people would want to watch and so according to the new york times more than 1.2 million videos were shared on facebook between june and august 2014 and it was mentioned more than 2.2 million times on twitter so as we can see this had a substantial impact on public awareness of the disease because Beforehand, only half of Americans had heard of the disease and they called it Lou Gehrig's disease because it was named after a famous basketball player who had it back in 1939. But after the challenge, more than 3 million people had searched for the Wikipedia article on motor neuron disease and in many respects, the goal of increasing awareness was very clearly achieved. In terms of money that was donated, the ALS Association actually raised around $77 million, which went towards... Um, many things so there's, there's a very clear breakdown on wikipedia but it went towards research helping current patients of motor neuron disease um, educating people on this disease but as well as additional fundraising so we can see that slacktivism sometimes has the effect of creating a viral movement which inevitably has positive effects with regards to increasing public understanding and of course raising money um my second defense of slacktivism pertains to the actual individual themselves because something we might not immediately give thought to is the fact that not everyone has the means to actively engage in charity work. A quite simple and effective way of supporting most causes would be to donate money, which probably says a lot about where many of this world's struggles come from, but nevertheless, the donation of money is probably the first way of engaging with a cause that may came to, that might come to mind. But the problem with that is that not everyone has disposable income to be able to give to donate to charities. Another asset that people may not possess is time. Some people might work two jobs, have children to take care of, or simply have other commitments, and therefore they can't engage with a charitable cause as much as they would like to. Although I must admit, this is a less strong argument than um, that with regards to money. But it still shows instances where engaging in what people might call slacktivism which could be sharing a link for donations so that others could donate or retweeting words of hope might be the next best alternative. In light of situations like these, I would say that we should be hesitant in being critical of others for the ways that they engage with what we can objectively call a good cause, because we ultimately don't know what every single individual's circumstances are and thus can't comment on their ability to engage in charitable work. Surely it's better for someone to share something and maybe get others to be more proactive than themselves or at least spread awareness than not do anything at all. Um, so we've come to a point in this podcast where I've looked at both the criticisms and defenses of slacktivism, and it's time to stop sitting on the fence and fall on one side. My answer, however, does not seem to satisfy does seem to satisfy both sides because I admit that many acts of slacktivism, including those that I have effortlessly engaged with in the past myself, are unlikely to actually lead to any impact to the cause. But that doesn't necessarily mean that slacktivism is a negative thing and that people should not use social media for the purpose of showing support to a good cause. This is because there have been many instances in which people have seen stuff on social media and felt compelled to actually take action. A good example of this is the Black Lives Matter campaign a few years ago, which stemmed from stories about police brutality in the United States um, and how it seemingly, dis seemingly disregarded the sanctity of life when it came to black Americans. This led to people protesting in the streets and subsequently 
the subject of police brutality dominated the national political conversation in the United States. And this is just one example alongside the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge of successful slacktivism. And if we take these good examples and try to extrapolate the outcome, we can use slacktivism, we can clearly use slacktivism in a very positive way. But that first involves recognizing that it is not a replacement for more conventional and orthodox acts of charity like donating money or volunteering, but it is rather a first step. At the end of the day, there is no doubt that slacktivism is an easy way for people to spread the word and get educated on a particular topic. This is inherently a good thing. And so we must not look to the outcome as the only way of determining its utility. People doing something small is better than them doing nothing at all. And it is for that reason that I think it's wrong to condemn those who use social media to spread the word. But at the same time, we should try to do more to help others when we have the capacity to do so. That marks the end of episode four. But before finishing, I wanted to say a couple of things. From now on, I'm going to be attaching the links to some interesting articles on the topics that I speak about. Since Spotify and Apple Podcasts doesn't allow me to actually put these links in the description, I'd recommend going to my YouTube channel, even if it's just to read these articles, if you are interested. And secondly, I'm aware that some people might not be willing to um, listen to the entire duration of my podcast, although I do recommend that you do, and I don't try to exceed the 20-minute mark. I'll be having in my description on YouTube and on Instagram time notes that break down my podcasts and allow you to skip to a particular time if there's something that you want to listen to in particular. With that being said, I, ver- I really appreciate you coming this far and thank you for listening.